and welcome to the Renew Your Thinking podcast series. In a world filled with many different viewpoints and opinions, these podcasts will examine issues, current events, historical events, and cultural movements, all in the light of God's Word. Our goal is to help you as you seek to love and serve God with your whole heart, soul, and mind. In this first series of stories, we will study about some significant historical figures. In the next nine podcasts, we'll talk about women in the Old Testament, specifically the women who were the ancestors of the Lord Jesus Christ. Of course, there was a long line of women who came before Jesus in his family tree. But we'll focus on the stories of the women who are named in the Bible, starting with Eve, then Sarah, Rebecca, Leah, Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, and Bathsheba, and we will finish the series with Jesus' mother, Mary. While telling these women's stories, we'll be taking a trip through the Old Testament. We will see how they fit into God's plan of redemption through His Son, Jesus Christ. Each woman's story is unique and interesting. What they share in common, besides being ancestors of Jesus, is that they were all faithful women. We'll always read the stories directly from the scriptures to avoid confusion and misinformation. I'll be reading from the New International Version of the Bible for those who are following along. We have been studying about the women who were the ancestors of the Lord Jesus Christ. So far, we have talked about Eve, Sarah, Rebecca, Leah, Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, and Bathsheba. The ninth and last named woman was, of course, Jesus' mother Mary. Mary was truly remarkable, sovereignly chosen by God to bear the Christ child from among all of the women who had ever been born. She was the one who brought our Redeemer, the Messiah, into the world. Mary was an ordinary human being, but she had great faith, courage, and piety. She proved her faith with obedience her courage with humility, and her piety with thoughtfulness, prayer, and submission to God's will. First, let's discover a little of the background of Mary. We learn the most about Mary in Luke's Gospel. Dr. Luke took it upon himself to interview many disciples of Jesus in order to write his story. Luke wanted everyone to know that he was giving the exact truth of the events surrounding Jesus' life. And so he tells us from chapter 1, verse 2, that he wrote the things just as they were handed down to us by those who, from the beginning, were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. The main eyewitness was, of course, Mary, who was there from Christ's conception until his death. It should not surprise us, then, that we have Mary's words recorded for us in Luke's Gospel, or that there are so many details about Mary's interaction with Jesus. Mary was still alive and probably shared all of the stories with Luke personally. Even after the resurrection, Mary continued to be a faithful witness. That explains how we know the very conversations that Mary had with the angel, Elizabeth, Jesus, and others. 
We don't know very much about Mary's upbringing. We know that she had a sister, Salome, who was the mother of Jesus' disciples, James and John. Salome was also a devoted follower of Jesus and was there at the cross with Mary when he was crucified. Of course, we also know that she was related to Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist. Besides this, we only know that she grew up in Nazareth as the daughter of a poor but hard-working family. We can tell by her song, known popularly as the Magnificat in Luke 1, 46-55, that Mary grew up in a godly family. Perhaps listening to and reciting or singing the scriptures was a big part of her everyday life. Girls did not go to the synagogue as boys did, but that doesn't mean that Mary, who loved God with all of her heart, would not have loved to hear the stories of God's mighty works. When the angel came to see Mary, she knew who God was and what he had promised and was ready to obey God. Turn to Luke 1.26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. In the scriptures, we first meet this humble peasant girl when an angel of the Lord goes to Mary's home and announces God's plan for Mary to bear Jesus. At the time of the angel's announcement, Mary was probably a teenager. Back in that day, girls were often betrothed as young as age 13. Her marriage was probably arranged by the parents of Joseph, her future bridegroom. Joseph was a carpenter. He was also a godly and righteous man. In those days, a betrothal was as legally binding as a marriage. In fact, if a betrothal was broken by one of the parties, through infidelity, for instance, there had to be a divorce proceeding. There were two ways to get the divorce, a public trial, which would have been very humiliating for Mary, or a quiet proceeding. In the quiet proceeding, the wronged party could get two witnesses to sign a release with him and send the other party away. In Joseph's case, he thought that he would just send Mary somewhere to have her child secretly and avoid disgrace. We know that Joseph did not send Mary away because an angel appeared to him in a dream, and then Joseph knew that everything was all right. This was God's plan, and so he willingly took his part as Mary's husband and the earthly father of Jesus. Let's read Mary's response to the angel in Luke 1, 34-38. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. 
Mary must have known what could happen to her when Joseph found out that she was pregnant. She knew that the horror of public scandal might await her. But she trusted God to take care of her. She surrendered herself unconditionally. Mary did not doubt or question God. She just immediately, humbly, and joyfully submitted to God's will. The angel explained to Mary that God would be the father of Jesus. The Holy Spirit would cause the conception of Jesus in Mary's womb. Indeed, Jesus would be the king who would sit on David's throne. We read Mary's response of total submission to God in Luke chapter 1, verse 38. Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, be it done unto me according to your word. And so Mary's faith is an example to us. She proved her faith by responding with humble obedience. She went to visit her cousin Elizabeth, who confirmed this, when she said, Blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. Mary knew that the child she carried was the Savior that everyone had been waiting for. Jesus is the promised King, the promised Son of David. Many scholars have portrayed Mary as an ignorant peasant girl with little understanding of the Scriptures. But Mary's song of praise reveals that she had studied the Scriptures. Why is this important? Because Mary would be the teacher for the little boy, Jesus. It was important that her home would be one of worship to God, filled with the knowledge of God's Word, and love, thankfulness, and praise. All of these the Mother Mary was able to do. Take some time and read Mary's Song of Praise from Luke 1, 46-55. When I read through the Magnificat, I observed over 70 references that are found in the Psalms and other Old Testament writings. Truly, Mary knew her scriptures. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months, then returned home. When it was very nearly the time for Jesus to be born, Mary went with Joseph to Bethlehem. Women did not usually travel during the advanced stages of their pregnancies. Was she aware of the prophecy that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem? We don't know. We do know that angels spoke to Joseph as well. Perhaps the angel directed Joseph to take Mary with him, even though her presence was probably not needed at the registration. We know that whatever came her way, Mary responded in obedience and with great courage. Even upon arriving in Bethlehem, Mary could have wondered if she did the right thing when she and Joseph found that there was no room for them at the inn. Still, she humbly obeyed. It would not have been easy to give birth in a stable. Mary trusted God. Though barely out of childbed, she graciously entertained visitors. Rugged shepherds came by to rejoice in the birth of Jesus. All of these things she pondered in her heart. Turn to Luke 2, 21. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. When Jesus was eight days old, Mary and Joseph took him to Jerusalem to be circumcised. Simeon gave praise to God for allowing him to see the Savior before he died. He also prophesied that Jesus would be a light of revelation to the Gentiles. 
Simeon also told Mary that this child is appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel and for a sign to be opposed, and a sword will pierce even your own soul, to the end that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Mary was amazed at these words, but continued to ponder all of these things in her heart, something Luke would mention many times in his gospel. Anna, a prophetess in the temple, also praised God for the Savior. Mary was truly a thoughtful, pious woman. About two months after Jesus' birth, Mary went to the temple for her purification, as also was required. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph received other visitors. Magi arrived from the east to worship Jesus. King Herod asked them to find Jesus and report his whereabouts to him. But God warned them in a dream not to, so they went home instead. When Herod sought to kill the baby Jesus, Mary courageously fled to Egypt with Joseph, though Egypt was a land traditionally an enemy of the Israelites. Then returning home to Nazareth, she and Joseph raised Jesus as a normal boy, even though Mary knew that he was the Son of God. Turn to Luke 2:51. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Though Mary's firstborn son was special, she led a typical life as a mother in a small village in Galilee. There is no evidence that she treated Jesus any differently than her other children. Mary would have fixed meals, washed robes, and schooled Jesus as a small boy. The Bible doesn't say that Jesus did anything other than what ordinary human boys do when he was young. So Mary enjoyed a normal family life with her children, raising them the way all good mothers did in those times. At some point, Joseph died. Mary did not remarry when Joseph died, but depended on her sons, especially her firstborn, Jesus, to help care for the family. Mary would then be raising her children as a widow. Being the oldest son, Jesus would have taken over the position as head of the family. He would have assumed the duty of seeing to it that his mother was protected, as well as his sisters and brothers. Those were all the normal duties of any son in those times. Jesus continued to care for her until the day that he began his public ministry. Turn to John 2, 1-5. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. One time on the way back to Nazareth, Jesus, Mary, and some of his brothers or friends stopped in Cana for a wedding. At this wedding in Cana, we see the first opportunity to witness the change in the way Jesus related to his mother. The story is well known. At the feast, the wine ran out. This was a major embarrassment, not only for the bridegroom, but also for the steward who was in charge of the wedding feast. 
At first, it seems like Jesus is giving his mother the brush off with his answer, but he was really very kind and considerate. We should remember that Mary was now in a slightly different relationship with Jesus. Just like any young man who leaves home, Jesus holds his mother in great respect, but must make his own decisions. Jesus indicated to Mary that he would help. Mary told the servants to do what Jesus instructs them. In this way, Mary shows that she understands that her son now has the authority. Mary is telling Jesus, Yes, you are now to go out on your father's business. I will return to Nazareth, and you will go and do the work that your father has given you. As always, Mary had pondered all of the things that were told to her about her son. Now she was beginning to see the reality of Jesus' deity. Now she was beginning to understand what the predictions about her son were all about. There would still be a long way to go as Jesus' purpose for coming to earth would begin to unfold. Turn to Matthew twelve forty six to 48 for another story further along in Jesus' ministry. While Jesus was still talking to the crowd, his mother and brothers stood outside, wanting to speak to him. Someone told him, Your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. He replied to him, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? On this occasion, Mary and some of Jesus' brothers and sisters came to see him. Mary must have been wondering how things were going for Jesus. When someone told Jesus that his mother and brothers were waiting outside to see him, he responded, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? Some have said that Jesus' response was being disrespectful to his mother. No, Jesus was not slighting her, but trying to make a point. He immediately answered his own question by saying, Behold, my mother and my brothers as he pointed to his disciples. As Mary listened to Jesus explain that, Whoever does the will of my Father who is in heaven, he is my brother and sister and mother, from Matthew 12.50, she would have understood that Jesus was referring to more than just his physical family. Mary returned home with the assurance that she had a double relationship with Jesus, physical and spiritual. Jesus was her son and her savior. Now turn to John 19:25. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, "Woman, here is your son." And to the disciple, "Here is your mother." From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. We don't hear about Mary again until we meet her standing at the cross when her beloved son was put to death. Here she was, standing with other women and John the disciple. What pain and anguish must have been in her heart as she beheld the cruel and painful death of her son. Here again we see how considerate Jesus is of his mother. Though he has the weight of the sins of the world to bear, he takes time out to provide for Mary. He puts her in the care of John, the disciple whom Jesus loved. 
John took Mary into his own household. Jesus shows that though he said that his family now includes all believers, Mary still held a special place in his heart. Though Jesus' time on earth was growing short, he spent some of it doing his last duty as a human son by thoughtfully caring for his mother. Mary returned home with John and waited for events to unfold. Was she as surprised as all of the other disciples when on the first day of the week Mary Magdalene came and told Peter and the others that the tomb was empty? It is very likely that no one understood the full extent of Jesus' purpose in coming to earth until his resurrection. But what joy must have filled her heart when she heard the good news. This is not the end of Mary's story. Turn to Acts one fourteen. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Mary was waiting in an upper room in Jerusalem, along with the eleven apostles and over one hundred other disciples, after Jesus ascended into heaven. The believers would be filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. They would then all go out to proclaim the gospel of the good news that Jesus lived died and rose again, so that people could receive forgiveness for their sins and be at peace with God. Mary would surely have been a willing and dedicated follower of Christ her Son, proclaiming the good news to everyone. We know that she lived for at least a few more years because of the details of her life in Luke's Gospel. Only Mary herself could have recounted such intimate details to Luke. Mary's relationship with Jesus was very special. She was a model of faith, hope, love, courage, humility, and obedience. The story of Mary is the last of our sessions about the female ancestors of the Lord Jesus Christ. We hope that you have been blessed by these stories. Join us again next time for a new podcast series on other faithful women in the Bible and history. We value your input. Be sure to share your thoughts with us by commenting on the podcast. Also, invite your friends to listen in as well by sharing this podcast on social media.